From the magnificent Midwest, it's the Suzanne Venker Show, where men and women are equal in value but wildly different by nature. Join us here every week when we challenge the culture's hugely flawed narratives about men, women, sex, and love. From coast to coast and from around the world, thank you for joining us. So we're going to do something a little different today on the Suzanne Benker Show, and that's this. I receive a lot of emails from people who tell me their stories, and sometimes it's just a thank you, and sometimes it has a question attached to it, but mostly it's these stories. And I read them, and I have such a visceral response to them, and I try to respond to as many people as I can. I'm usually pretty good about it. Sometimes it takes me a few days. Sometimes I can't respond at all. Um, but I definitely read everything that I receive, every single thing. And it seems a shame to not share them with the world because these stories absolutely can help other people with their own relationships. So I thought I would take this opportunity to read these emails to you. Um, I, like I said, some of them are just going to be stories and others will have a question attached to it that I will answer. But th that's it. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go through them all and share them with you. But before I get to those, I'd like to encourage you all to go to thesuzannevenkershow.com and scroll down until you see the Become a Patreon subscriber button and consider making a monthly donation. There are several levels and each comes with a shout out on the show or a gift of some sort. And this is the best way to ensure that the Suzanne Banker show does not disappear because you have to keep in mind that almost all podcasts, except for a select few, are done voluntarily and depend on listener support. It's just a huge help to do that. It's sort of like NPR. If any of you listen to NPR and I don't know, I don't listen to it anymore. I used to. Um, and of course, it's very left leaning, which is another issue. But anyway, it's, as you know, dependent on on listener support. So it's the same, all, all podcasts are really just basically channel nines in that one respect. If you can't afford a monthly donation, there's also a button on that page that says simply make a donation, which you can do as a one-time thing. I know a few of you, by the way, did that over the holidays and it was such a lovely surprise to wake up to and see that in my inbox. So I thank you very much for that. Again, that's the SuzanneBankerShow.com. Scroll down, you'll see the button very clearly clearly that says become a Patreon subscriber and or make a donation. And now on with the show. Okay, so I'm going to begin by reading a rather lengthy one. This is probably the longest one I have. I thought I'd open with this one. And this is from a woman, a woman named Ashley. And by the way, before I begin, one of the reasons why I pull the ones that I did is because I feel like there's something in particular about the email that is unusual that you wouldn't expect. And you'll know what I mean when I read these. Because I think a lot of people think that my listeners slash readers slash followers are all of the same mind and the same maybe demographic. And that just is not the case at all. Dear Suzanne, I'm 35 and have been married for 10 years. I live on the East Coast in a big city, and I'm definitely in the liberal or leftist group. I have a PhD and I have two little boys. I wanted to write to tell you that in spite of how controversial your book is in my circles, it has saved my marriage and my life. I met my husband when I was really young, and we enjoyed our 20s with grad school, lots of travel, and pleasure. I was very independent, had my own money, and went to work conferences and trips on my own. When we had kids, everything changed. We fought constantly and viciously. 
I felt like I was giving up my career to be home and that when he was home from work, he should bend over backwards to help me and praise me. Life was hard and he wasn't appreciative. How dare he not acknowledge that I had a hard day? This would escalate over and over into huge fights. He went to divorce lawyers and a divorce therapist. He wouldn't talk to me for months. I had no way out because my parents lived far away and no real friends who could help me and I didn't know what to do. I was left alone for weeks at a time with two wonderful but difficult boys. I cried constantly and was always in panic mode. I happened upon some Christian marital books and their theories were so different and so instinctively opposite to me, but I would try it out and bite my tongue and saw things, saw that things would change with my husband almost instantly. However, these books didn't really get to the reality of living a modern life. Your book does that. If my husband comes home after a long day and commute and snaps at me, have the kids eaten any vegetables today or just junk food? Instead of being furious that this is how he greets me and, quote, standing up for myself, I just answer calmly, smile, and bite my tongue. Literally five minutes later, he will come up to me, apologize, tell me he's just stressed out, and things between, things between us will be great. He used to say in big fights, why can't you just be a nice person? And I really didn't get it because I always had to stand up for myself. In my circles, there is no regard for the concept of sacrifice in marriage, that things in life and families are hard and you just do them for the sake of others, even if it leaves you exhausted. I chose a career that would allow me to mostly stay home with my kids. I teach two days a week, but I'm otherwise home, while people I know have their kids in daycare for 12 hours a day. It's funny because even when I told my husband about your book, his knee-jerk reaction was total opposition to what you're saying, even though he's the textbook case of how your theory really works. If I start something, he always, always follows. If I decide not to complain to him, harp at him, nag at him, or criticize him and act more feminine, he is so good to me. Anyway, thank you so much, and I apologize on behalf of people in my cultural circles who have that knee-jerk reaction to you. It's just something so ingrained in us that to think otherwise seems impossible. Thank you with all my heart, Ashley. So I chose that one to start because first of all, I love the fact that she's quote unquote in the liberal or leftist group. She has a PhD. She lives on the East coast <laughs> and even people in that group can, can learn um, the kinds of things that I teach. And that means a lot to me, obviously, because it's one thing to preach to the choir and it's another to, to do that. And it's, um, I wanted you all to hear that because it may surprise you. Um, or it may not, but at any rate, I think the two things about that were, were that what I just said about where she lives and, and what her mindset is. And then also the fact that she picked up some Christian books. But the problem with that is that if you're not, you know, a faithful Christian, it's not really going to speak to you. And so the fact that she noted that my book, and by the way, if anyone's wondering, the book she's referring to here, sorry, is the Alpha Female's Guide to Men and Marriage. Obviously, I've written a few books, so you might have been confused about which one. So that's that's the one she was talking about. And my books are secular. They're meant to be secular. They're meant to speak to um, exactly this type of person, um, woman, who has no um, modeling or roadmap for how to do the wife thing. And that um, all of this stuff that she's that is thrown at her that cause her to think she needs to stand up for herself and be you know, I am woman, hear me roar, how that's working against her. And, you know, when you, it's funny because when, I, I I find that the most receptive people for me are the people who've been married for some time, takes them like five or 10 years. 
and then they realize that something's not working and that's when they reach out. And so, um, yeah, that was, that was the first one I just wanted to open with and wanted to share that with you. And also notice that that whole concept of, um, you know, holding your tongue, right? Not when, if, if he snaps at you, if anyone snaps at you, this would, this would really work for a man or a woman. You don't, you can choose how to respond when someone's acting inappropriately, right? So he didn't mean to snap at her, but he did. And your response can either escalate the whole thing, or it can cause that other person to recognize what they did by your not doing that, not coming back and meeting them at their level. It, this is what I mean when I say silence is powerful. So that's the other thing that stood about stood out about this one for me. Okay. This next one is from a man. His name is Pablo. And he had seen me recently on YouTube, which, by the way, for those of you who may or may not know, I've kind of recently struck out more on YouTube, which is my plan for 2021 was to get in front of the camera more. If you're following me on Facebook um, or even on YouTube, you, you'll be aware that you're seeing a little bit more of me rather than just hearing from me or reading my work. And that's something I've sort of committed to for 2021. So you'll see me a lot more um, in person. And so in order to catch those, you'll have to go to my YouTube channel and subscribe. But at any rate, so I'm, I've been hearing from a lot of people this month alone, just because I recently um, had a few uh, interviews on YouTube. And of course, a lot of them are men, um, because YouTube is heavily male. Um, but at any rate, so, so this man, his name is Pablo and he's married and he says he's blessed with a, you know, right. At least it's conservative wife who doesn't think that men are just hairy women. Um, but he, he said he was listening to the, uh, watching the interview with Bettina Arndt that I did with Bettina Arndt recently. And she said, and he said, I was left thinking about the radical woman's and the conservative woman's attitudes towards sex. I feel that when a husband approaches his wife sexually, the radically, the radical slash supposedly enlightened woman thinks I should only have sex if I'm in the mood. So hmm, am I in the mood? You know, let me decide. While the conservative woman thinks sex is an important part of marriage. Will I get in the mood? And that's, I thought that was a really interesting way of putting that. Um, so this, she, he didn't have so much a question, but he, he brings up something that is very interesting and that has to do with your attitude and it, and your attitude is directly, obviously going to directly affect the quality of your marriage. And if you're coming at it with a philosophy of thinking that you only have to have sex when you're in the mood, then first of all, you're going to have a lot less sex than you otherwise would, because once you have children, it's not like it was pre-children, which is another conversation um, about marriage pre-kid and marriage post-kid. I, I think I might do a whole episode just on that because I keep confronting that all of the time and how shocked people are about what marriage actually looks like post-kid and that it wasn't anything that it isn't anything like what they imagined. But anyway, that I digress. So whereas, okay, so that's one way of bringing that's one attitude that you bring to the table regarding sex. And the other one is, well, of course I'm going to have sex. I don't think about it in terms of whether or not I'm in the mood. You just, you, I, I mean, I just, it just wouldn't occur to me to turn my husband down personally, unless there was something wrong. 
Um, so yeah, I do think, I do think that is a really astute observation of the difference between a more traditional woman, if you want to say traditional versus more modern woman who thinks what, you know, what's in it for me, or should I have to do that? Or if I don't feel like it, then I shouldn't have to do it. And of course we have all kinds of problems in marriages today with respect to sex because of that, which I can vouch for for my coaching business. Okay. This other one is from Joel who writes that women have, this is an interesting, this is really interesting too. So he, he, he writes how women have this idea they basically they've been taught to have this idea through, I think the culture that when things get serious, um, that marriage is when things, sorry, that marriage is when your life or things get serious and all the fun that there is to be had happens when you're young and single. I hear a few, I hear few, a few stories about infidelity in relationships and most of them are based upon this notion that there's more fun to be had outside of marriage than inside of one. I would love to hear your thoughts about this and if this actually is a common thought people have based off your experience in coaching. So this goes back to what I was just saying a second ago about marriages post-kids versus pre-kids. I, I do think that there is a mindset that getting married and having kids is more like the end of your life or the end of your fun life rather than the beginning of your life. And it's interesting that he uses the word fun because he put in this subject line, why do some people think marriage can't be fun? And fun's kind of an interesting word. I'm not sure that that's the word I would choose. Um, I, I think satisfying, enjoyable, um, meaningful, um, contented. You know, there's a, there's a lot of words I would use for marriage. Sometimes it's fun. Absolutely. I'm not sure that that's the word that I would think off the top of my head, but I know what he means when he's saying that you associate the fun stuff with, 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 um, being free. Right. But really when you think about that, then all you're really talking about is sex, because what is it about, what is it that you can't do after marriage that you can't do before? Um, other than, I guess having sex with, with more than one person. I don't know exactly what he means. Maybe he means cause you can't travel at the speed of light like you can with, you know, without kids, but um, all of which is to say, I think, I think that that is a very uh, removing the word fun from this, from this conversation. I think that we absolutely need to have a completely different approach and message about marriage and its meaning and its value and what you get from it, as opposed to this idea that it's the end of your fun life. You know, I mean, you're, you're, you're going to go through stages in your life and there are things you are going to be constricted on being able to do depending on how big of your, how big your sacrifice is. So for example, my husband and I are about to be empty nesters and our senior is going off second child seniors going off to college in August and we will be just the two of us once again. Cannot believe it's been 20 years. Seriously, cannot believe it. But at any rate, we have a whole new chapter in our lives ahead of us that absolutely I would, I'm hoping and planning to be fun. So, um, you know, is the hard work behind us? Yeah. And I'm actually really excited for this part of our life because it's not like the parenting ends, you know, you still are with your family and then your family grows presumably. Um, but, but there are going to be times when it's fun and times when it's work, but you don't look at it that way. You look at it as a whole, as one whole gigantic 40 year, 30 year, whatever it is, 20 year, um, depending on when, when you get married, 
um, event. And so I do think that whole attitude that we tell young people or, or that we, uh, you know, instill in the culture that, you know, your life ends when you get married. And so you should put it off as far as possible is absolutely part of the problem with why marriage is, is such in decline because we don't talk about it the right way. So that's unfortunate. When you got married, things were perfect. You were both in love and life was good. Then somewhere along the line, everything changed. She changed, or maybe he did. Either which way, now your relationship feels, well, hard. I coach husbands and wives who feel lonely, disrespected, or misunderstood in their relationship. So many women today are desperate for their husbands to step up to the plate, to make a decision and to stick to it, to lead rather than to follow. Ladies, you have the power to make it happen. Men respond best to women who are grounded in their feminine core. As for husbands, so many of them want their wives to stop nagging and to just trust them, to smile more and to complain less, to look at them the way they did when they were first dating. Men, you have the power to make it happen. Women respond best to men who are grounded in their masculine core. The secret to lasting love rests in the masculine-feminine dance. Once you master it, your relationship will no longer be difficult. You'll be moving with the biological tide rather than against it. And that makes marriage smooth sailing. If you're struggling in your relationship, if you feel frustrated or alone, I can help. Just go to SuzanneBanker.com, that's S-U-Z-A-N-N-E-V-E-N-K-E-R.com, and click on the coaching button at the top. Don't wait another minute to acquire the mindset you need to find love and to sustain it. It's so much easier than you think. That's SuzanneVenker.com. This is from, she writes, your number one fan, which is very sweet, Christine. Dear Suzanne, I simply want to thank you. Because of your work, I was able to save my relationship with my five-year partner. We planned to marry. Instead of leaving, I threw myself into your work. I purchased The Flip Side of Feminism, The Alpha Female's Guide to Men in Marriage, and Think Like a Woman to Get the Love You Want. One phrase made everything come to light. Quote, make him feel superfluous. End quote. Click. Now, she wasn't saying that I said to make him feel superfluous. She was referring to that that making him feel superfluous is the problem. Just a little FYI there, which you probably figured out. I knew what I had done and what I had to do. I'd been working two jobs, despite that my partner makes decent money. This is a situation brought by my inherent tendency to be erratic, as well as the importance of saving to one day purchase a farm for ourselves. I haven't been available to my partner and I've created many situations where he feels superfluous as well as my behavior concerning masculinity. I didn't realize how masculine I was being and throwing off his own masculinity. I realized the imbalance I'd caused between us. The problem has been solved and I am every day learning and enacting forgiveness. I can't change him, but I can change myself. Thank you for helping me with this. I do not believe we would be planning to marry if it weren't for your work. Christine. So I just wanted to read that one. She doesn't have a question, but thank you very much. If you happen to be listening, Christine, so happy to hear all that. Um, okay. This one is from Victor. Hey, Suzanne, I've recently begun listening to your podcast in the last couple of weeks. And so far it's had a profound effect on my views. My question, I've noticed that even in a conventional dynamic, like my parents and the parents of my friends I grew up with back home, because he's from, I'm sorry, I didn't do the backstory. He's from Nigeria, which is very patriarchal, he says. He's 29 now, and he lives in Canada for the last 11 years, and so he doesn't have those views or live those views, I guess. But at any rate, um, it appears they also have issues where intimacy becomes stale. Would you say then that subscribing to the conventional dynamic doesn't automatically equate 
to the sustainability of intimacy or sexual attraction. Also, one can insinuate from your podcast that marriage problems are gone once conventional roles are switched back, which I'm uncertain is the reality. (laughs) You're right to be uncertain. I would like to see more content addressing some of the downfalls of the traditional dynamic and how we can improve them. Thanks, Victor. Okay, so this is really interesting because absolutely, no, I would not say to answer your question that subscribing to a more conventional um, gender roles equates to automatic intimacy or sexual attractions. But I'm going to come back to that in a minute. Um, It also doesn't mean as you write here, that marriage problems are gone once that happens. So so that's two things, basically, I want to address. One is, no, there's a thousand different ways you can have marital problems. Absolutely. I mean, there's all kinds of problems you can have in your marriage. The point is that to deal with them, to cope with them, to um, give a foundation for those, let's call them conflicts, that will inevitably arise in any life, in any relationship, um, you're always better off moving with the biological tide than against it. You're helping yourself along. Um, now, I by no means am saying that if you get this dynamic down, down that your your all your marriage problems go away. I'm saying that you're going to have fewer conflicts, or when you do have them, you're going to know how to deal with them in with a low level of conflict. So it's like the conflict itself, right? That isn't necessarily a marital thing, but maybe just whatever you're dealing with in life. But then your approach to it is so sound that it doesn't balloon into something else. So problems, no problems are just life. They're part of life. You can't stop problems. This is all about a dynamic to create a peaceful home and a peaceful relationship and a passionate one. And that is separate from problems per se, just, yeah, just, they're just separate. As far as the sexual attraction or intimacy, um, yeah, I do believe that keeping that um, masculine and feminine dynamic strong and alive will absolutely lead to high sexual attraction. Now, there can be problems in any marriage with sexual, you know, performance, sexual desire that have nothing to do with your dynamic. You know, you could have actual physical problems for one thing. You could be going through something really, really mentally draining or horrible, a death, um, a divorce of a friend or a family member or something just really traumatic. And you're not necessarily going to be having great sex during that time. So there are other things that could cause presumably temporary problems in that department. But yes, I absolutely believe that the stronger the polarization, the better the sex no question. So hope that answers your question, Victor. Okay. This one, <laughs> this is, this is really interesting. I want to share this with you. This is from a woman who had a 30 minute call with me. And I think most of you know, if you don't, I'll just remind you, if you go to my site, SuzanneBanker.com, at the top, you'll see your option for a free 30 minute exploratory call for coaching. So you might, as you might imagine, I have a lot of those 30 minute free calls and that the purpose of those calls is to determine if we're a fit for each other for coaching. Um, most of the time, you know, by the time people get with me and on that, we, we are a match, but sometimes we're not. And there's a lot of variables there, but anyway, this, this gal was for sure. <laughs> and we had a nice talk and ended up actually speaking for longer than 30 minutes. Um, and then I sent her my ebook, the how to be a wife book. And here's what she had to say. 
a couple days later. Hey, Suzanne, after reading your ebook, I sat with myself for a little while to take an internal reading of what I was feeling about all this. The first emotion that I noticed was anger. That greatly surprised me. I felt angry that the points in the book were right and how I've been acting was slash is wrong or misguided. Anger that I would have to give up confrontational ways of being and replace them with calm and respectful actions and demeanor. Then I became angry at myself for getting angry at the book. (laughs) Why should a perfectly rational and helpful book make me angry? That's when I noticed fear, specifically the fear of the unknown. What happens when one replaces all of one's former confrontational controlling habits and thought processes in a relationship with more humble and respectful ones? What is the result of this transformation? The unknown, that's what. Surely a better relationship, but one which is unknown to me on so many levels. And this is what scared me the most. What if it doesn't work? What if it hurts me in ways I can't deal with? What if my husband takes advantage of it? So many fears, but they all boil down to one fact. I am holding on to ways of behaving that don't work in order to try and change my reality. The very definition of insanity. On a gut level, I know, without having tested them, that you are completely correct in the points you make in your book. Thank you for challenging me in uncomfortable but necessary ways. Thank you for speaking the truth to my generation, even though we are too indoctrinated to receive it without a fight. I love that one, as you can imagine, because that is my ideal client, hands down. Um, someone who takes the new information, lets lets it wash over her, lets all those emotions you know, do their thing and then comes away with a readiness and a maturity to change. And, you know, I mean, anytime you do something that's new, that's going to require significant change is going to rock your world, you know? And so obviously, as you can imagine, there's a lot of people I get who are not ready for that. And so their initial reaction is just stay in anger mode. They don't do what this gal did and move beyond it and be ready, you know, for coaching. It's, it just, they stop right there. And those are the people who are lost to me. I can't help you if you're not ready for change, you know? So I'm always saying until you're all in, don't call me because it's just not going to work. You know, just reading about it and learning about it isn't enough. You know, there's a part two there and that requires action. So, um, yeah. Um, so this is another one from another woman, same exact scenario. Um, did the 30 minute call and then, And it's very similar to what I just read. Only the difference is about why she feels the way she does, which I thought was interesting. Hi, Suzanne. Thank you so much for spending a full hour with me last week. Just that conversation and reading your ebook in one sitting have caused a profound shift in myself and in our relationship. I realized I've been in a silent struggle with myself about whether I'm, quote, doing something, end quote, with my life. And that that internal dialogue caused me to actually limit the love I feel for my family and my husband. I realize that this family and my role as a mother are the big accomplishment of my life and that this is the life I dreamed of, always wanted, and I do want now. Also that my beautiful husband is madly in love with me, but I've been so caught up in my own nonsense to see it. I've been leaving him deeply lonely without the affection and source of joy he needs to make his role as provider feel worthwhile. So that was from a stay-at-home mom, as you might imagine from that description. And that's that might surprise you. You know, a lot of people think, well, oh, if you're at home and you have those traditional rules in place, then all is right. Kind of going back to that 
that email earlier from the gentleman who asked me about that. It isn't, it isn't just, um, you know, there are people in the traditional roles who make it difficult still because it has to do with, in this case, with this particular woman, the way she feels about her herself and her own life. I mean, if you're not happy or if you're conflicted, um, if you're doing something in this case that she really wants to do, but she's never felt validated for it, which is not hard in today's culture, then you got to do something with those emotions. And, and when you're married, it very often is going to come out on your husband because it's usually not going to come out on your children for most women. So the, the husband is the next easiest target there. And if you've, if you feel like you're not valued in that role, which the culture does not value that role at all, as we know, then I can see how you would. And if you fall for that and you need that, um, then you, I mean, fall for the fact that it isn't valuable when of course it is. Um, then you'll also probably want to think that your husband, that, that, that doing anything that you associate with that role, in this case, it was sex is, you know, n not owed to his, to your man, but he, he's supposed to, you know, just deal with the fact that you're unhappy and get over it kind of thing, which is what the case was with her. And she realized that that is not at all the right way of handling it. So that was a little, it was similar to the, to the woman before, but, but a little different too. Okay. This is from Chad who writes, hi, Suzanne, as a man looking to raise a family, I wanted to thank you for your work, but personally I see many men giving up these days. In my experience, it's becoming more common. Many women I see act immature, masculine and promiscuous most astounding though is the mindset behind it maybe it's just me but this mindset seems not just okay but encouraged whereas before 23 20 or 30 years ago it was frowned upon heck even the more humble and decent women i see start hanging around their recently divorced friends and get influenced by the girls just want to have fun mentality these aren't just college girls either i see plenty 35 plus year old women with the same mentality uh, if I had a child, especially a son, I would be confused as to what to teach him about marriage and relationships. I don't see marriage or commitment a common thing in the future. Technology, Tinder, Instagram, social media is addictive and steers us to be selfish and is not helping the idea of marriage either. Was curious what your thoughts were on this. So I just wanted to read that because I get a lot of those. Um, I chose that particular one. I mean, not for any particular reason, but be but I wanted to use it as an example that I get a lot of those from men. And that actually is what originally led me to write the article in 2012, the war on men that went viral on Fox news and landed me on the view and all these, it was just, it was a crazy time. And I got a lot of hate mail from, from feminists needless to say, because basically I was saying that there's a divide now between women and men, because I hear from all these men who say that women aren't women anymore, which is essentially what this guy was saying. And so I just wanted to throw this in there today, just so you could hear what I hear again. This is one of hundreds and hundreds that I've received over the years. And it's just an acknowledgement of what's happened um, in the last 30, 40 years with, with women being taught to dump their femininity and be more and more like men. And I think, you know, it's, it's so unfortunate because originally it was really just about, um, it was supposed to be about um, getting equal opportunity for women or, or, or making women who didn't want to have, you know, 10 children and not a career have the option to have two children and a career, let's say um, all of which was, you know, we managed to do some time ago, but we carried it to such a fairly well that 
women started to adopt male behaviors and planning out and mapping out their life in the same way men do as though there's not going to be any difference when they do settle down and have children. Um, difference between them as men and women, because of course that's when male nature and female nature becomes very heightened is after the kids come. So yeah, I just wanted to share one of those emails with you that I've received over the years. Okay. And I'm going to end this segment because you guys are probably probably had enough of all these questions. I don't know. Maybe you haven't. Um, as I said, I'm happy to hear from you. If you like this idea or not, I can do this periodically and just collect them and do them once a month, once every other month. Um, if you want to say anything to me about that, you could just text or text me, email me at Suzanne at the Suzanne Banker show.com. And I will read what you have to say. Uh, this last one is from Debbie. Hi, Suzanne. Thank you so much for the work you you do. Your podcast has helped me understand men and myself a lot better for you. I have a question for you. I'm 26. I've been married a year to my husband, who's 27. We're wanting to start having kids soon, but we're not sure when a good time would be. God willing, we want to have three to four kids, and I'd rather have them sooner rather than later, so there's less risk of complications. But I would love to be a stay-at-home mom. The problem is that I'm the breadwinner at the moment as my husband has just started a business and it is building up. At this stage, he would not be able to support us. Although if we were to have kids, he will get another job if need be. I know that if financially I had to go back to work soon after giving birth, I would be very disappointed and resentful. And I don't want to create problems for our marriage in the future. I'd like your advice about whether it's best to wait maybe a year or so for my husband to build up his business or whether it'd be better to start trying for kids. Given your age and how you got on the whole marriage thing so quickly, not quickly, actually, it's perfect timing. I think 25 is a great age to get married. Um, that's one of the beautiful things about marrying at 25 as opposed to 35 is that you have time on your side. The answer is absolutely. I would wait um, a year or so for your husband to build up his career, build up his business. Um, that is, you got to look at this in the long term plan. And given everything that you said there, the best way for you to have that life is for him to get situated. And you don't want to preempt that because it's going to cause all sorts of stress for him. So if you have the ability to wait and you're married, I say, wait, you know, one of the, one of the things that I think, um, I have a friend who married at 22, I think, or 23 way back when we're in our fifties now. Um, and she waited nine years, she and her husband, before they had children. But see, because they married at 22, nine years is only, so she was 31. Now, that might seem like a long time to you, but it's, it's what I always thought was really interesting about it is that it really understood, and I don't know if she purposely made it, made it this way or not, but it really stresses the significance of finding a partner early on and building that life together and seeing and, and start to go into the team mindset and then understanding that the children, the children are just part of that um, team mindset, but you, but there's no reason why, like today, so many people are waiting to have kids that they're having, they're getting married, having kids all at once. I don't know if you've noticed that, especially with, with, with millennials, because they wait so long by the time they're 31, 32, they get married and have kids all within a year. And that's, that's stressful because, you you've spent so many years single and then you get married and put the kids on top of it at once, which is not the end of the world, but it's a harder road because um, you haven't had the chance to 
sort of move into the marriage mode and get comfortable with that before adding this other piece to it. But at any rate, I'm not saying it has to be that way. I'm just saying that that's, this, these are the kind of advantages you have more options when you marry younger. Um, and this is one of them. So the answer to the question, Debbie, is yes, I absolutely think you should really throw yourself into that hole, getting him situated, starting to pull back now, starting to save your money to prepare for your wanting to have three or four kids and staying home. And that means his career has to take 100% full precedence right now. And the most that you can do to encourage him in that direction, including pulling back now on your own career in preparation for that, the earlier you do that and the longer you give you, the longer you both give yourselves time to adapt to that, um, then you'll be in a much better position when you do have children. So hope that helps. Okay, guys. So that's it for today. Um, hope you liked that. Again, please let me know, Suzanne, at the SuzanneVenkerShow.com. You can say yay or nay. If you hated it, you can tell me that too. I have thick skin. Either which way. But that ends this hour of the Suzanne Venker Show. Don't forget to continue the conversation on Facebook by typing in the Facebook search bar, The Suzanne Venker Show. Also, please recommend this podcast to one friend you think would enjoy it. And don't forget to leave us a review on whatever platform you're now using. Finally, if you have a question or a comment for me, you can email me at Suzanne at the Suzanne Venker Show.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great week.